This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me for the first time in about a year and eight months is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort producer, Chad. Say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hello. (laughs) How the hell you been, buddy? Not bad, not bad. Completely different life over here. Exactly. So I I don't know if a lot of our fans know that predominantly you departing from the show had nothing to do with animosity or anything. It was you have two children who are about two years older than mine. So I know that they're Hellions and you have a wife and you had a job and then you relocated and it's been one thing after another. So you've been kind enough to show up on the Patreon watch parties to say hi to people. But then, you know, getting onto a weekly show is a bit of a to do. So thank you for making it happen. Absolutely. I uh, love doing the show and it was definitely a joyous part of my week, <laughs> but you know, life happens. So what it's tough too, because you know, you run into a technical snafu, which just it, completely out of nowhere. And what would be an hour turns into two hours or if one person's late, then it compounds and then somebody has to leave <laughs> early or somebody doesn't show up or any of a number of things. And then I mean, you were doing all of the video, and so there were times where exporting would crash at like 99%, and it's huge. I don't think a lot of people realize, like, it's not so much the time investment when it comes to what we do. Like, it's it's fun when it works, but when it doesn't work, it's so crippling to then still also have people have an expectation of you. Like, I've literally exported an episode, a fully edited episode, and it completely destroyed everything, and I had to start completely (laughs) over. And, you know, you go through that like bargaining of like, please, like, what can I do to fix this? And you just got to start over. I mean, the fact that you stuck around as long as you did was pretty triumphant. Yeah. And I think that's like, like I said, it was always a joy doing it. The technical difficulties were very difficult with, you know, crappy computer, you know, trying to green screen a video and it crashes five times. And then you just hear your wife yelling and screaming at you. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? Still editing? And you're like, yeah. (laughs) So, and learning to do it. And that's a huge thing, too. None of us have any formal training. Like, I had been in bands and stuff. So, I have familiarity with certain, you know, audio frequencies and low pass filters and stuff like that. But when it comes to it, I'm like, I have no fucking idea at all. So, and you were learning how to like do color saturation and chroma key. And keyframe <laughs> animation, and it's like Jesus Christ, what were we thinking? Yeah, a little ambitious. The young man's game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and I are similarly afflicted with the brain bug, where we have to read the book if we're doing the movie. And you know, that was one thing I always really appreciated about working with you, Chad. Is you have a voracious need to consume, just like me. You know, if you read all of the book, you read, watch all the movies in the franchise, you watch as many things. And when it came to Starship Troopers, which is the subject of this week, it had to be you because I knew that you would get just <laughs> as involved in this shit as me. And you got bogged in the muck and the mire as well, right? I did. I did not finish the book, however. Oh, yes. Yeah? I was disappointed in the book. <laughs> So what disappointed you about it? First of all, it is definitely nothing like the movie. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, I I would say more of like the lack of description into the world and into like even the creatures was definitely a hard point for me. Yeah. I listened to so many books that the book has to be pretty detailed to like encapture my imagination. And this one just didn't really hit it. Like 
talking about skinny aliens, but there's not a real good description of what they are. Yeah, I just basically my brain put Slender Man there, suit and right. all, because I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is supposed to be. Exactly. Yeah. And then even some of the technology was kind of like, yeah, we could jump super far with these suits, but there's no real understanding of like how how far the technology like peaks kind of. Yeah, it's completely sporadic, too, because like for those of you who are uninitiated, the book is is similar in a lot of ways, but it's like more of a broad strokes thing. And the reason that it's the mobile infantry in the book is that they are quite literally mobile. So when you watch the cartoon show like Roughnecks and stuff or the animated films, they're in these kind of, or even the third film, they're in these mechanized kind of like, you know, exosuits. So it's like that in the book, but you have no frame of reference because you have no idea what's going on, how like, you know, they'll talk about like the battery dying and you're like, well, how was I supposed to know? It's just so sporadic. Like, you know. (laughs) I know that narratively it's a little exhausting to be like, oh, and then he looked at his fuel gauge and it was nearing zero. But that's what builds the fucking tension. Like it might sound dry, but without that, you're just like, oh, so he's just laying down now because his suit's out of boo-boo juice. Yeah, it was almost like a role-playing type of uh Warhammer, right? Book. Right. Yeah. You're like, oh, you just ran out of, you know, energy. Oh, okay. That's weird. Cool. <laughs> Do I can, can I harvest some mana, dude? <laughs> right. It wasn't uh Yeah, the book wasn't quite there for me. And the book was more supportive towards military, where the satire of like Starship Troopers is definitely not. (laughs) So that's one of the interesting things. And I think that I was blessed with having been obsessed with Paul Verhoeven, because as many people know, Robocop's one of my all time favorite films. And so I knew I studied Verhoeven and I studied his work and his his propaganda work that he had done in Holland and all of this stuff. And so when I started reading this book, I had it through the frame of satire. So every time it leaned in so hard, it was so easy for me to accept as satire because it's so incredibly heavy handed for authoritarian themes where <laughs> I like had to sit down and go, is he fucking with me right now? Because he would also like blend like the scene where the recruiter guy, you know, has his amputated legs and his amputated hand. That's oh. in the book, too. But it's transposed. It's like it's bookended on either side by like pro-military shit. So I'm like, well, which is it? And I guess that's kind of the art of it being kind of within and without. Like it's both satirism, but also aggrandizing. It's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely could come off as the brainwashing, though, that the military kind of puts you in. Because he's like, this is they made me the man I am today. And he has like one arm that's useful. Everything else is just gone. It's nuts. Um, Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And even with that, like the most interesting part of the movie is the first like hour where it doesn't have anything to do with bugs. And it's all about how the culture has changed. Yeah. Sort of thing. This would make a really, really good like HBO series. Like if you did like it, this material as like Westworld or the man in the high castle or something like that for Amazon, like that would be really great because you could breathe into it because I think a lot of people don't realize how satirical the whole idea of citizenship is and everything. And you and I have talked about this very rarely through the films that we've done. Very rarely do you come across a film that is so painfully ahead of its time. And I think a huge element of this movie being ahead of its time, we caught up to it much faster than a lot of movies that are ahead of their time because of 9-11. And I know that sounds crazy, (laughs) but think about when this movie comes out very shortly thereafter. You had motherfuckers being like, death to anybody who isn't a blonde-haired, blue-eyed American, and 
freedom fries and you're like whoa this is dark shit am i wrong am i, am I going a little crazy there no i don't i don't think you are i think it's right on yeah and then i i always thought it was funny about the whole censoring the cow being butchered but <laughs> right. yeah they're gonna do a live execution and i was like oh that's total vegan jake over there oh it's so good though <laughs> But it's such a good point. So like, so apparently people thought that that was actually censored, but it was, it never had the actual animation. It was literally just a guy like flinging goop on the walls. But that's so clever in like the way that we pick and choose our violence, right? Like, right. You've eaten a burger, like you've, you've committed (laughs) heinous acts of violence, but you don't want to be reminded of it. Right. And it's, it's speaking out of both sides of its mouth and fuck dude, like this movie is hard for me. It is it's too it's too much. Even in my old age, even in my young age, I always felt like it was a bit garish. It's a little like too saturated, it's too full. It doesn't have the breathing room of a Robocop. But I really appreciate what they did with that kind of scale. Like there will never be another movie like this, yeah? Oh yeah. I don't think so. At least not until there's a big culture swift uh, kind of change. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Paul Verhoeven talked about like the reason they were able to pull this off is because Sony over and over again during the filming of this, they had a different studio head and somebody else taking over. And so they just fucked around and kept doing whatever they wanted. And nobody held them accountable till they were doing like screenings to put the movie into theaters. And like, that's just crazy to me because now everything is so created by committee. And I think that like Star Wars was such a huge kind of catastrophe recently that playing it fast and loose with billions and millions of dollars that's just never gonna be exactly we just watched me and my wife watched jungle cruise to see if we were like can our kids watch it and then at the end it was like by committee pretty much and we we're like oh yeah, yeah that definitely felt like it <laughs> like it just it was all over the place it didn't have like oh yeah same thing i think it's being ruined that way but well, I've heard that's all I've ever heard about Jungle Cruise so far is it's like he's a Spanish god map maker. And you're like, what the fuck? And then like they like love each <laughs> other and they hate each other. And you're just like, fuck off. I'll just watch the mummy. If I want to watch the rock Dude. in a mummy movie, I'll watch <laughs> the Scorpion King or the mummy returns. I it looks like it's painful to me. Is it that we're not reviewing that movie, but it is identical. So it's a brother sister like the brothers all, you know kind of like oh i don't want to do anything just like the mummy and you know the sister's <laughs> like oh i'm i'll do everything i'm courageous yeah it's identical oh my god what a pathetic joke but i mean hey they built the biggest set of all time chad isn't that just <laughs> adorable i remember reading that article it felt like fucking five years ago and the movie finally comes out and i'm like the fact that some of these movies like black widow came out with a wet fart just makes me so happy like my schadenfreude is like lapping this shit up. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Now, we used to kind of lean more into the whole like stab statistics on the show back when you were on. Now it's a little more free form. The film came out November 7th, 1997. Let's talk about some of the contemporaries because a lot of people talk about how schlocky this movie is. But this same fucking month, Mortal Kombat Annihilation came out. So you <laughs> could do a lot worse. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. Even though I've seen that movie a hundred times as well. So Yeah, truly. <laughs> but then you had stuff like Alien Resurrection and Flubber. And so you had some of these movies where you had practical effects blending with CGI. And I thought this was a really good and ambitious attempt at that. Like Doug and I did Mars Attacks. And when you're bringing in, even if you're bringing in an alien just for its corpse, 
Like it's cool to have that tangible kind of stuff. It helps actors. So it's not like, you know, the fucking Star Wars prequels where it's just people in front of a blue screen being like, well, nothing's real. So this doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah. Although the dissection scene oh. is great. With Rue McClanahan, Blanche Devereaux herself. God damn it. I would still give her a good consensual dickin', I tell you. <laughs> but I have to point out that one of the funniest things I've ever realized that the same month that this came out, a Herbie the Love Bug movie came out called The Love Bug. And I could just imagine like, oh, yeah, I want to see the bug movie. And then they just send him in. You're like, oh, no. Orange spit up. Is that up. the Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan one? No, this was a like a made for TV that apparently had like an actual theatrical release. It starred oh. Bruce Campbell. I don't know if you've heard of him. What? That's why it caught my attention. Yeah. I can't believe I haven't seen that. From 1997. So it was made for TV, but then I read multiple things about it having a theatrical release. So maybe that's just people confusing it with Herbie the Love Bug. But either which way, it is not the love bug we are talking about. I love, like you said, that that scene with the puke. It's it's great. The deviations from the book, I guess we'll talk about kind of through the narrative of it all. Is there anything from the book that you're sad you didn't get in the movie? Huh? Not really. Yep. Exact same. I mean, other than maybe some of the suits would be kind of interesting, but I didn't want it to be overdone either. So, yeah, I don't know. And because the third movie does it and it's terrible. Oh, it's real bad. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. But what's really frustrating is like that Elysium movie that came out with Matt Damon, I think it was, or yes. like Aliens where you have, you know, Ripley and the power loader and shit like you could do mech really well. But doing mech on a scale of all of these soldiers, bro, how many fucking times have you seen these helmets and chest pads in other <laughs> shit? I saw it in Power Rangers as a kid. I saw it everywhere because they just had leftover shit and they needed to make their money back. Yes, exactly. I was thinking more of they could have done it like uh, that Tom Cruise movie. Uh, oh, Live, Die, Repeat? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I never saw like it. a little exoskeleton. What? No, I'm a, like the hugest fucking Groundhog Day fan you've ever heard of. I have an entire podcast about Groundhog Day. Like, why am I going to wow. watch Space Groundhog Day if I could just watch Groundhog Day? You should watch it. It's actually not bad. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'll never get around to it. <laughs> I am shocked. I actually sat down through Oblivion. I'll be honest with you, because I was like, oh, shit, it's like Moon, but with Tom Cruise and not as good. Yes. So, never seen Moon with Sam Rockwell. Everybody needs to see that. I'll campaign on that till the death. Now, I will selfishly ask myself the question about the book. Uh, there's nothing at all that I would care to see from the book into the movie. As Chad alluded to earlier, there were uh, the skinnies, which was a different alien race which were like also at war. And so that could have been cool, but it's not explored in the book. They briefly in like one sentence say that the skinnies turned on the bugs. And then like, I think they turned back at one point. And the biggest thing, Chad, Chad, neurodogs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could tell this shit was written in the fifties because they didn't have Boston dynamics back then. You couldn't have like robot people was one thing, but you couldn't even entertain the concept of a robot dog. Could you tell the people about the Nero dog? No, I skipped most of the book. <laughs> but oh. even with the skinnies, though, they had more of a like culture and they were shooting guns and stuff. So like all that was completely taken out of the uh, movie as well. 
Yeah, and I, I've seen so many conflicting things about this movie. It's really frustrating when it comes to the special effects. Because one of the key things that I kept seeing was that the design for the alien bugs, arachnids, whatever you want to call them, was a, actually an unused Tremors design. And then I saw that it was an original design. And then I saw this and then I saw that. And so, frankly, I don't give a fuck. I could totally see it being a Tremors design. I could totally see it being not. And I'm fine to just move on from there. In terms of bugs, do you have a favorite bug in the film? Oh, geez. I think the one that Rico jumps on his back. The uh, lava spitting one. Now, can I ask you a very serious question? Does that bug kind of feel like the kid who you'd play with on the playground who would start adding rules? Like you're playing freeze tag and it's like, (laughs) oh, no, 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 no. You can't because it shoots fucking flamethrowers. It's giant lightning thingamajig. And then it shoots like fucking purple plasma out its puckered butthole. What? That's not fair. That's a separate bug. That's a separate bug. It is. Yes. Are you sure? Yeah. You want to gamble? The the fire one is like has a much harder carapace on the back, whatever you want to call it. Oh, I just um, took that to be like the shitty difference between night and day because of like bioluminescence. But I get <laughs> I can see what you're saying now for sure, especially when he like unloads an entire clip to put the grenade in. Oh yeah. another key thing where people fucking con- constantly conflate what happened. Some reports say that Casper Van Dien fractured ribs in that scene some say that he chipped two teeth they're always mutually exclusive never both so i'm like which is it i don't know did you get frustrated in your research for this movie uh not so much i never dive as deep as you of course (laughs) i was just more interested honestly the shower scene yeah but not even for the boobs which you know i'm all about the boobs all about that boobs all of boobs all of (laughs) I think I know what you're getting at. Uh, w- what Dutch filmmaker uh, made that scene so incredibly weird and probably, arguably, if he wasn't European, he would have been me too for this conduct. <laughs> yeah, although my research did say that the cast actually asked for the people filming the actual movie to be naked as well during it. And they were like, OK. And I was like, oh, I mean, that's a little bit, I, I guess, fair. <laughs> but at the same point, you're pushing like a a new way that our culture has been like we're accepting to have females shower with males naked in the same room. Right. But we're not going to show no dick. Oddly progressive, oddly regressive. Exactly. I was like, you can't do a scene like this where it's like completely normal, but we're only going to show boobs and we're not going to show any dick. Well, and then if you notice in Starship Troopers 3, you see a little cock shaft, not, the, not a head. Yeah. I, I re- always resent that. I, I find it cowardly not to show a head. Right. I agree. Just poke it out, man. Honestly, that's the only reason anybody's ever seen Bronson is to see uh, Tom Hardy's un or I guess super sheathed uncircumcised cack, right? <laughs> yeah, but the other part of that too is they're talking about how to become like why they joined the military, and that's also interesting too because it, it kind of dives into how everything has been now. Like you to get a license to have a baby it's easier you know if you join the military that lady's so sweet and so when she right. gets dragged into the hole later with one fucking sentence you make that matter where she would otherwise just be blank cannon cannon fodder like i think it's so and even the lady who ends up shooting the dude in the head at the training camp those people if i'm not mistaken are married with children now cuz they met on this movie uh, but like the idea that she is also you know not to be hyperbolic, but 
basically her life goals are unattainable now. So she's kind of dead as she's leaving like this husk of a person. So it adds multiple tiers of casualty. Like if anything, the guy gets off easier because he's just dead. Right. That's every millennial's <laughs> dream. Yeah. <laughs> now let me ask you the original title of the film bug hunt at outpost nine better worse or the same oh man it's better for like the cheesy factor yeah. but it, you know it's an eye roller for mainstream. sure yeah yeah <laughs> well it's so funny because as a kid you just accept robocop right i never thought that it was that bad of a name when i was a kid i was like okay it's robocop and when I did my research, when we did those, you know, Ed Newmeyer was basically like ridiculed and people were mocking the name. And I you know, had this kind of tongue in cheek element because of the marketing the OCP does. And so this film, I was like, oh, no, Ed Newmeyer is not being sarcastic. He, motherfucker just doesn't know how to name shit. And so apparently <laughs> I've, I've read multiple times that they were, quote unquote, at war with the source material. Reason being, he'd already drafted the script and then reverse engineered it to be with the Robert Heinlein novel because he wanted it to, you know, I guess be an adaptation, but it was never meant to originally. Um, there's not enough unique story here for me to really believe that it was anything more than an outline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I agree. And so it's hard. Like, you know, all the stuff I like from it is just kind of an amped up version of the book. I think that, you know, the whole psychic thing, I think, is kind of maybe a play on the neuro dogs, maybe, I guess. So uh, you want to just kind of briefly go through the narrative? Sure. So we start off and it's it's people who are clearly 30 pretending to be in high school. And then they have their, <laughs> their fucking prom at Kaiser Permanente, where I used to go as a kid. And you have some weird sport. And I, I it, it's a little long in the tooth in this whole setup, but I appreciate it. Because this is a Dutch filmmaker being like, this is what Americanism is, even though it's set in Buenos Aires. This is him being like, ah, this is this is apple pie boy. And this is, you know, plain Jane. And this is, you know, do you like that setup or, or do you agree it's a little long? It's a little long for sure. It, it's and it's interesting. The football team all is clearly on steroids. Yeah, bro. <laughs> They're doing flips over each other. And, you know. The females are smashing through all the men, which is interesting. You're like, okay. Speaking cool. of bugs, all of them are Spider-Man in this. Yes. <laughs> and like his nemesis is like 40, right? Oh, yeah. He looks way older. Fuck, dude. Like that guy. Like I just when you're sitting there thinking, man, this fool can't look any older. His brain gets sucked out and his cheeks get all like sallow. <laughs> sure. like, oh, shit. You became Matt Dame or uh, Matthew McConaughey in Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> Yeah, although that scene I do enjoy quite a lot. Oh, the brain sucking scene? Yeah. Oh, Vagina, yeah. Vagina mouth looking thing. That's great. That's actually like the one visual I liked from Starship Troopers 3 was that bug old and with like the dead kind of like blind dog eyes. That was really creepy. Yes. Which is also super funny because in the book they talk about how like the brain bug dies like virtually instantly and they don't know how to keep them alive. And then in this it's like, nope, it's lived for 20 years and gotten bigger. And you're like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's not even touching on the God bug, but you know. Or the fucking the thing bug. Oh my God. Yeah. That's from the Which is part two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a, a painful experience. So anyway, Rico signs up for all the wrong reasons. He wants to get with Carbon Ibanez, and then his friend Carl is there. It's largely consistent with the book, except it's basically 
I don't know if it's meant to be progressive that Carmen like never has a boyfriend because it like it's simultaneously like empowering and slut shaming with her in the book. Did you get that vibe? Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. And then from my research is that they were trying to make it more progressive with Carmen's character about kind of dumping him when she gets a career and does all that. And yep. I guess it tested really bad. And they really like, bad. Let's let's back off that a little bit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and apparently originally they like kissed at the end. And so people were like, this double Sluta. She betrays Rico. Then she betrays the guy she betrayed him for. She's a, a hussy. And it's like, you can't win. Yeah. And so he joins up for her in this. In the book, it's more that he like, actually has a sense of civic duty. Then he just it's just a war movie. But it's a lot of it is the experience at boot camp. How do you think their depiction of boot camp is compared to, let's say, like a real wartime movie, you know, like in the army now or something? <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> oh, we should review that movie. For or sure. stri- any any Polly Shore movie I'll, I'll be down for. So down. What I would love to do is take In the Army Now and Stripes and just yell across and defend each against each other. Because I love both of those movies, even though I know one was originally supposed to be Cheech and Chong that they turned down. So you get Bill Murray. And then one was a blatant ripoff of it, but still delightful. Yes, I agree. The comparison is, it's, I don't know. It's like ridiculous. Like none of the training they look like they're doing is actually very hard, except for they're really willing to like hurt you because they have better medical technology yeah i love that cast dude very rarely do you see like a little cute bit of tech that you're like oh it's so great and the little like gel pack ice pack cast i i really enjoy uh and a lot of it's consistent with the book you know clancy brown is fucking delightful in this i really love that he gets to be like the hero at the end the whole he's really consistent with zim in the in the book itself any huge takeaways from that you kind of want to move on no i mean other than like i would have just wanted to see a sequel just about zim the whole movie yeah i would that would have been way more compelling and i think that like you know the idea of this guy who has this moral impetus especially after buenos aires to be like okay look i'm I'm done training i'm i'm going to war i'm going to avenge and stuff i think there's a lot there it's almost kind of like a saving private ryan where it's an older guy who is like, I have a fucking purpose. Let me do this. Even if I have to die to do it, I want to do it. Yeah, even dropping rank to go down just to yep. do it is awesome. So he's kind of like the complete badass that you want the main character to be. Of course. <laughs> I didn't remember how... We're stuck sh- with Rico. Yeah. <laughs> like, I did not remember how shrill Rico's voice is through the movie. Like, yeah. Come on, I think that's it's- why he didn't, didn't have a very big career after that. Because, you know, he looks very, you know, sexy. Aryan, but very like I don't know, high pitched. Uh, did you ever see the Tarzan movie he did? No. Oh, it's fucking terrible. But I watched <laughs> it because, and I've talked about this in the show. I grew up pretty poor, so I can make twenty dollars go a long way when I would go to like a toy store. And so I would always go to KB Toys, bless its heart, and I'd go to the clearance. That's where I'd over ninety percent of my toys as a kid came from. That and that movie fucking sucked. Everybody fucking hated it. And I got those toys dirt ass cheap. And I had all those motherfuckers. And I came up with my own story because I watched the movie on like, I think I was at, on a summer at my grandma's house on HBO and watching. I was like, I hate this. So I never referred to any of it again. And I just completely went off script because I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did read that he did get the role over some bigger names, which wasn't one of them, Matt Damon, I believe. I read a, a few conflicting the, things, the but yeah. Yeah. And basically they said, you look pretty much like a good Hitler youth, so you're going to get it. <laughs> right. But what do you think about Paul Verhoeven coming from, you know, Holland and the things that he literally witnessed from World War II and you know, surviving air raids and stuff? Aryan air raid. It sounds close enough. We got to go with it. That's how Casper Van Dien. Also, can you think of a whiter name than Casper Van Dien for fuck's sake? <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about white impressive. privilege? This motherfucker grew up on a street called Van Dien, named after his ancestors. Wow. Yeah, bro. That's impressive. <laughs> so, either which way, uh, oh, what do you think about Doogie Hauser in this? I remember even being a kid being like, holy shit, this guy's got a career again. And then nothing happened until Harold and Kumar. <laughs> oh, but we got Harold and Kumar. I love that movie so much. But yeah, it was a complete uh, tonal shift for sure. <laughs> what? It's such an odd duck. I mean, like he's kind of shitty in Doogie Hauser, But then since this, all he's done is play like smarmy womanizer, you know, which right. is funny for a, an openly homosexual guy. Correct. And it's so, a great role, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, he, his husband, and then his two kids do these amazing fucking Halloween costumes. And I really hope that one day they do Starship Troopers. That would make me so happy. Yes. Oh, I would love it. Now, I, I did read that they were supposed to redo Starship Troopers, but I think it kind of tested poorly as well. So they were like, maybe we won't. <laughs> yeah, I saw a bunch of stuff as far as like Sony's leaked emails with other things and you know, honestly, it does. It doesn't have to be anything like at this point. This is the way I look at it. You know, there's Tremors and there's like 50 fucking Tremors movies and most of them kind of yes. suck. That's the way yes. I look at this because I've seen all of them now. I've seen Invasions from or what is it, Invasion and Traitor of Mars and Marauder and they all kind of suck. I, they're not worth sitting down and watching unless you're doing a dumb podcast about it. And I was thinking about that like. Why would I, as I'm sitting down watching the sequel to this, I'm like, I could be watching 10 Cloverfield Lane. I was like the same <laughs> amount of time. And I'm watching this dumb shit. But like, did you watch all these when they came out? Yes. That's the problem is I did too. So even though we know that they made a second one, it was trash. We still watched it. They made a third one. It was trash. We still watched it. They're getting people like us that we watch them, even though they're terrible. I will not We're say supporting their bad habits. I'm not supporting them. specifically <laughs> the means through which I obtained these films was less than scrupulous. And I will admit I did not disclose <laughs> that on my moral character application to be a member of the California State Bar. But I'll move on. Um, yeah, like, you know, just terrible shit. And when you have copious amounts of free time, you're a little bit more forgiving. But you're a busy dad. I'm a busy. Dad. I'm not fucking watching these ever again in my whole life. I agree completely. I, I could see watching the first one once a year, every year till the fucking Grim Reaper comes and sucks my dick off and takes me to the great beyond. But any of the sequels, I say thee nay. Yes, I agree. It is exactly like Tremors. I love that first movie. This movie is great. It's like mindless that you could kind of put on yeah. while doing other things. And that's kind of its best character. <laughs> Yeah, well, and it, you know, going back to Tremors, even it's kind of like that, too, where Tremors, you could just take it as being like a dumb jaunt, but it's also like very well done and it's very well written and you have good payoffs. So like if you get into it and you focus on it, you can get perfection. 
But if you just want to see fucking worms, you can get worms. And it's just a great blend. Absolutely. So Rico goes to space in the book. He gets a gold earring with a skull and crossbones in the movie. He literally gets a tattoo of a death's head, a Nazi insignia. <laughs> and that's one of the things that's that's frustrating. I didn't about even this. realize it. <laughs> oh, bro. Every costume in this has something that's taken from Hugo Boss and the Nazis because it's just yes, Doogie Hauser's is clearly. But but yeah, with the tattoo, for some reason, I didn't even notice it. I, I, mean, I have no tattoos. Yeah. So maybe I don't focus on them, but yeah, I was like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I remember being a kid and, you know, I, even as a kid, I was obsessed with Captain America. So I obviously knew some Nazi symbolism and I was like, that's bad. And it, I had the same reaction to Street Fighter because, you know, M. Bison, he has a death's head. That's his logo, the skull with the fucking uh, wings. And I was like, ooh, awkward. And so this, I remember seeing it be like, and I think that made like tipped me off to this being funny because I was like, oh, like, I'm supposed to. Like, he's the hero of this story, but he's not a hero. And I think that was a really pivotal thing for me at like age 10. Right. And, and I just remember like before I rewatched it, I was like, I just remember him being very dumb and being also pushed into like leadership roles every time. Yeah. Like he, he sucks at math. <laughs> he's not. I don't know. He's just kind of like led by his emotions of a girl to join the army and i don't know there's just no depth to him and he's like okay i'll do it and like yep. you're the leader we want <laughs> it's failing upwards it's it's white privilege you know it's all of these things that you see that we talk about now and it's like just being the guy i mean there's other people who are way more qualified but he just kind of fails upwards like diz works harder than anybody and, and he, she gets passed over dude. she gave him the idea to win the the little uh laser tag event and yep. uh yeah he takes it and you're like what well okay. and then even when he gets promoted by michael ironside he goes to jake Busey and is like hey dog you want this yes. job <laughs> so he passes her up again like this chick can't catch a break she is the second fiddle over and over again this movie should be the tragedy of diz that should be the subtitle <laughs> yes exactly now i will say I have, she but she's dumb too because all she wanted was his dick that's it I I don't want to I don't want to body shame anybody. I have to ask you a question: Are her boobs weird, or am I just being like a weird person? Because I remember being a kid and be like, "These are the only boobs I've ever seen in a movie I don't like." <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think you're being weird. They they kind of are shaped interesting. They're like flatter and yeah, kind of more like droopy. They're like and, off and to trust the side. me, I, I have boobs that look like that too. So I'm not saying anything about it. <laughs> but yeah but, you know from a guy's you know erection standpoint yeah not not as uh nice as some of the other ones i've seen <laughs> well, and, and put her on paper right she's got red hair she swears she's sassy these are all winning things and then the shirt comes off and i was like nah sorry i'm gonna go hang out with jake Busey and his neon green violin his fucking future fiddle <laughs> But I do love Jake Busey's character. He's so good. Why does it? Although he's, I uh, think he's just playing himself. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just like he's Randy Quaid a, a in yeah. Independence Day was playing himself. <laughs> but I mean, when you get that part, but like, look at Michael Ironside. This is okay. So that's one thing I wanted to start doing on the show, and I keep forgetting is talking about people and asking, "Is this film their best film?" And I'm not fucking around when I say this. 
obviously Casper Van Dien, blah, blah, blah. I will go on record. This is my favorite Michael Ironside. Better than, sca- oh, what, not scanners. Scanners? Scanners. Yeah, head blowing up. I, I was thinking transfers for some reason. Better than any of that shit. What do you think? Is this the best Michael Ironside we ever get? Oh, I can't even think of anything else he's in. Uh, let's go through his Imdiba. So he was also in Total Recall as Richter. He was in Top Gun. Scanners, as I mentioned, he had a very lengthy career, 273 acting credits. And he was very often typecast as being like kind of the shitty, awful guy who was kind of cranky. But he's real. I mean, I like him in everything I've ever seen him in. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, also in Turbo Kid, which is fucking amazing. And if you haven't seen it, everybody needs to see Turbo Kid. Oh, yeah. Is that the one where they find the suit or whatever? Yeah, he gets like a laser thing and there's Apple, the robot girl. And so, I mean. The yeah. Apple the girl. I didn't spoil a movie that came out in 2015. You can't <laughs> prove it. I mean, if you look at it, though, a lot of like Top Gun, he plays kind of the same type of character. Yeah. A lot of military and stuff. But I think that right. this is I mean, like I said, I think this is his best because there is actually like craft to it. It's not just constantly manipulative. It's not just constantly yelling. It's a good blend of both where you have this, you know, there's there's in the classroom rack sack which would be Dubois in the book. And then you have Rack Jack, in, however you pronounce it, in, <laughs> you know what to do. Um, right. It, but it, it, it makes sense because he's like, it's like we've talked about in the past, like war paint ritual. Like he is putting on the show and putting on airs. He was also in Free Willy. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I know it's probably going to be That's a tough a long... call between this Top Gun, Total Recall, and Free Willy. I, I love Top Gun. <laughs> as a movie but his character isn't much there's not much there either yeah he's kind of quiet just hunting him down yeah i would agree he gets more more depth in this role perfect i like winning that's great uh doogie hauser i'll go on record saying this is his best i mean i sure harold and kamar is fun but i wouldn't consider it like a classic but i consider this film a classic i love his character in how i met your mother but that's that i will distinguish that because that's tv (laughs) But Barney is very good in that show. I, yes. I really like the way they explore him in later seasons where he like actually is like a decent person too. That's he does a really good job of that without being like I always find it frustrating when people switch stuff on and off, you know? Right. Like I really I saw a movie recently, The Dream Team, and I keep talking about it. One of the things I love because it's talking about mental health, there's a scene with Christopher Lloyd where he's talking to his wife and they've been estranged, and he's like, Look, I'm gonna work on it. I'm gonna work on becoming sane, basically. And I think it's so fucking good because it's not just I'm not crazy anymore, you know, and he's like, how he's many not, times have you had that conversation with your wife, buddy? I've worn out my vocal cords <laughs> doing it, uh, but uh, we'll go on to this is going to be a tough one. Clancy Brown. Is this his best movie? You'll remember he was in Pet Cemetery 2 with Edward yes. Furlong. So, I mean, that's a pretty good movie. Huh? He's in SpongeBob SquarePants, the movie. All his voice. <laughs> yeah. Shawshank Redemption, Gargoyles, Dude, the movie. I love his role in Shawshank Redemption. I've still but... never seen it. Really? Yep. I don't like movies where people get raped. And so I've been told that there's some butthole plunging. Not about it. Actually, he does not get raped. Oh, interesting. Are you saying that so I'll watch this movie that I've avoided on that basis? They he's about to get raped and he kind of tricks them and then he doesn't get raped and he gets beat up severely instead. Oh, 
because the, the main like bad guy wants a blowjob and he's and he's like if you don't i'll like stab you in the temple or whatever and he's like well that that may cause lockjaw when they've had to be able to pry people's mouths open and he basically said i'll bite your dick off if you stab me wow. in the head and so they just beat the crap out of him that reminds me of two and films. then oh the guy we're talking about right now is the prison guard yeah and then he goes and just fucks that guy up all right the attempted raper <laughs> I like the attempt. We have to add that caveat. That reminds me of the movie with Edward Norton, where he has his friend beat him up under a bridge because he's going to go to jail and he doesn't want his teeth knocked out. So he has to suck cock. And then also this thrilling quote from a film you may have heard of starring Ashton Kutcher, uh, the butterfly effect, wherein the assailant says shit on my dick or blood on my knife. Those are words that I've always uh, been burned into my brain. (laughs) Here's your competition. I've decided. Have you ever played Spyro, the dragon? No. Okay. I recently found that game during pandemic when I was doing my emulators and stuff. And Clancy Brown plays like 12 dragons in that. So it's either Starship (laughs) Troopers or it's Spyro, the dragon. That's his acting career for me. Okay. I'm fine with that. And until you see Shawshank Redemption, I'll give you that Starship Troopers (laughs) is the best role. (laughs) And finally, I have to talk about Patrick Muldoon. The guy who gets his brain sucked till he is a uh, crypt keeper. I looked at his IMDb <laughs> and I was like, wow, his career died on the vine. So I just want to say this is obviously the best thing he's ever done. And I'd like to send a sincere apology to him that his career happened to go this way. Better luck next I mean, time. If his career then went that far down, we probably could have got him as a, a guest. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he has like a part time host as well. Music. Basil Polidorius. I'm a huge fan. Obviously, he did Conan the Barbarian and did a bunch of other shit that I like. His daughter Zoe has a cameo at the high school dance. This is not his best work. I mean, you're talking music. And if anyone's been watching since I was running with you, uh, I don't do music. So I have no idea. <laughs> but you watch movies and he does music for movies. The mu- music yeah. in this, aside from the da da da, I can't remember anything else in the entire movie. Uh, okay oh, i'm with you there so glad we agree basil get uh, back to the drawing board what about des oh yeah yeah, yeah dina yeah. meyer she is in johnny oh i like that movie i know it's not a good yeah. movie but i like it henry it, rollins in it. he's like this causes it and this causes it oh <laughs> fuck i might go rewatch this movie just for that shit oh my god <laughs> she was in star trek nemesis one of the worst fucking yes. movies I've ever fucking seen. I fucking hate that movie. Fuck. Like, yeah, but that's because you're a, a Star Trek uh, geek. I am. <laughs> but here's the big problem we have to talk about. I will never see Venom. I have no interest in it. Ed, okay. Tom Hardy has an uphill slope with me every time he performs because of Star Trek Nemesis, because he's so fucking terrible in that movie that every movie he's in, he has to prove himself again which he's done a couple of times with great success. I mentioned Bronson earlier, a Mad Max Fury Road's obviously legendary, but fuck all, dude. Every fucking movie he's in, he has to dig himself out of a trench. I don't think Venom was his fault. Oh, you mean the part where he talked about getting a voice that he modeled after Woody Allen, Conor McGregor, and Exhibit? Yeah. I mean, I agree. It it wasn't great, but the, the overall failure of the movie is absolutely the directing style i think yeah it it felt it felt like a 90s movie just put together real fast super cheap 
the story was super lacking. It, yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't a great movie. Well, okay, so this is perfect. We're talking about Dan. and it was supposed to be R, and then they made it PG thirteen and cut out like half the movie. We say as Suicide Squad's killing it right now with its R rating, but exactly. But on the topic of Diz and Venom, we can talk about this is a very good coincidation. A lot of people get critical of Venom because it's like, oh, well, there's no Spider-Man. Uh, and they just don't like the fact that he's not fighting Spider-Man. I don't give a fuck if Venom never comes on screen with Spider-Man again. What makes Venom compelling to me is that he's second fiddle. He is Dez. No matter what he does, that symbiote wants Spider-Man. And so it's just like this where it's like this this fucking desperation and depravity and it's like this pleading and this feeling of inadequacy and it's smothering and it's awful. And then in that movie, you can never have that. You just have him jumping into a lobster tank. So fuck it. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. I more want to see Carnage, but we can can skip that for now. (laughs) As a fan of Woody Harrelson. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Cheers, and so I think he did as good a job as you could do replacing my favorite character, Coach, as could be done. So I, I have always had a soft spot for Woody Harrelson, and he's got some great acting roles. So he could do Zombieland, very delightful. Even two, oh where he does God. the dumb buffalo jumping thing. Yeah, but two was a, a bit of a ripoff of a bunch of other movies. Oh yeah, it, but, yeah. but that's the thing is like it also kind of goes to sat like when you kind of set trends to a certain degree when you're going back to it with so long in between you're kind of come across as ripping off the things that ripped you off right dude they ripped off Shaun of the dead come on well yeah that well the first one ripped off Shaun of the dead i mean that's that's the thing you yes. a lot have to, uh, have to kind of reconcile but going too but far that's also part of yeah i think this says a little bit about starship troopers as a movie too is we've gone through like the stuff that is in the front part of the movie where it's, oh, you know, it's different. They're talking about how the world has changed and how they think our, you know, the generation's going to end up being. And then after that, now it's just like, we're shooting bugs. Yeah. And it, I, even as a kid, I was very aware this felt very anticlimactic. And I get that you keep seeing Denise Richards throughout this movie over and over again. And you're supposed to go, okay, she's supposed to matter, right? Oh, I'm seeing her on the, the, deck of this i'm seeing her progress as a person i'm supposed to be emotionally involved in her and i just never cared i I, she's just never struck me in any capacity um even tammy and the t-rex like i don't think that she's particularly great i think it's it's a movie that's almost better because i dislike her like because it almost like she's like i look at denise richards and she's like alicia silverstone and clueless but in real life i guess to an extent it's just the way i see her (laughs) she might be a very nice lady but i always just kind of like I guess on some level I'm rooting against her because I'm an inadequate male, but by the time she's in peril, I don't give a shit about her. I think the bug is really interesting. I think that the fact that the bug sucks brains is interesting. And I just, I'm not emotionally invested at all. And I've always, always, always hated this, Chad. I have to talk about it. Doogie Hauser dramatically puts his hand on the bug and uses the force and says it's scared. No shit. It's surrounded by the enemy. All of its constituents are dead and it's been mangled. Of course it's, it's scary. brain dick sucking thing cut off. <laughs> You're earning that fucking six figure salary there, Hugo boss. God damn it. <laughs> oh, what man. do you think is the but, dumbest thing in this movie? Oh, 
Because I'll tell Man. you, for me as a kid, it was tough between the Doogie Hauser and the Space Fiddle. But then Yellow Card did the Space Fiddle unironically. And not saying I liked it, but I was like, oh, Space Fiddles are just like a thing that we have now. So it's not as stupid. But I remember being a kid and being like, holy shit, you built a violin out of lasers to depict <laughs> the future. How stupid do you think I am? Oh, man. I don't know. I still have to go with Denise Richards. I mean, I agree with you, and I I know it's more interesting if I don't, but there's not much to this movie, and her character just kind of sucks. Yeah, she's not excited. You kind of hope she would have died, and it would have gave better like push for Rico to do, like kill more bugs or something. Yeah. Um, Your point is exactly right, because she almost subverts the movie by being the damsel in distress. You're like, what do I care? Like even Ann Lewis in RoboCop, she is victimized, but she's still capable. You know, she still helps. She's still active. Denise Richards, the only way that she becomes effective at the end is in direct contradiction of the fact she got stabbed through the fucking tit and she's able to shoulder a weapon and handle the recoil of a rifle. Like that's just stupid. Yeah. And it's funny because like her injuries, a hundred percent gone. Yeah. As soon as she stands up. Like she even reaches and grab, grabs like Rico's arm with that same arm. And exactly. I'm like, that's, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> and they like walk off like arm in arm as friends again, mimicking the imagery of the beginning. Nobody's putting yes. gauze on her or applying pressure. She's not just bleeding out. And so I take that like they had to be deliberately satirizing big budget action films at that point. Right. Like that had to be a deliberate choice from these guys that maybe just got misread. Yeah, and I think they were using her name to kind of, I think she's probably the most, one of the more well-known females at this point, maybe. I don't know. Is this before Wild Things? Ooh, that's a good question. I, when she's a little bit like sexified and you're like, oh, okay. We had just done Tammy and the T-Rex last month. And so that was surprisingly not that long before this. Wild Things was actually after this oh, in 98. one year after. Wow. And then she was in The World is Not Enough as Dr. Christmas Jones. Hmm. Yeah, so maybe not. I don't know. You know, her career trajectory and Johnny Rico's are not that far apart. <laughs> Except Casper Van Dien did not get pregnant by Charlie Sheen. So that's a win. Really? I did not know that. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's Charlie Sheen was. Yeah, her son is named Sam Sheen. Wow. Yeah. I've always felt like they that the Sheen family, the Estevez family should have gotten into like the car wash business with a last <laughs> with a stage name like Sheen. Right. Perfect. I'm just glad my kids don't have to worry about living up to my name at all. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, any other kind of key takeaways from the movie in terms of like would you compare this to anything favorably? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, I did really enjoy kind of the military pop propaganda yeah. of the movie. It's like a good cutaway to just be like, I'm doing my part. Those parts were really funny. Those like commercials. Yeah. Uh, like giving all the kids guns to pull and <laughs> grab and then giving them live bullets to like play with. And the roaches to step on. Yeah. Yeah. So I enjoyed that part of the movie and it kind of also made you know it's more comedy than anything. Yeah. But as a movie to compare it to, not really. I mean, as a franchise, you going with Tremors makes complete sense. Yeah. Other than that, I don't even know. 
Well, it's hard because a lot of what they're satirizing is what you're rooting for, right? right. Like you watch the movie Commando. Commando's stupid. They blow up a building with a claymore. Like there's so many things that are just dumb. But you're rooting for the mercenaries because that's the action of the film. When you watch RoboCop, what they're satirizing is corporatization, privatization, you know, conglomerates, the weird kind of Bushido 80s businessman. Um, and those <laughs> things are divergent from action, right? So clearly, this is a joke. You know, the SUX car, that is the joke. This is the action. But in this film, the action and the militarization is the subject of the parody. So it gets very conflated because you're like, I'm I'm making fun of this, but also the action's fun and it's exciting and it's dumb. Like when Rico rips the bugs like talon out of its his like thigh, it's exciting. And when he's like writhing <laughs> on the floor, I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like I loved it all. So it, that's probably my hardest thing is comparing it to other films. It's very unique in that way, both in its successes and its failures, where it does the, you know, the parody of f- fascism. I think it's very good. But at the same point, it where it fails, where I can look at other movies and be like, oh, well, like like James Gunn's Suicide Squad even does a, a certainly a good job of satirizing, like, I guess, militarism and, and some of those key elements. So being expendable. Now, let's talk about the sequels. God damn it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the second one is just the thing, but bad, right? It's worse than bad. It's like me and you filmed it in your backyard when they they have they have like 20 minutes where they're standing out in the open and they don't show one damn bug and they're all shooting like a circle because they're like, oh, we don't have the budget to CGI all this bug attack. So we're going to just shoot out. And I think that's also what happened with, you know, with the whole story plot. They're like, well, let's make a new bug that's smaller and it'll just be transmitted via mouth to mouth and it'll save us so much money. And that's kind of what happened. hundred percent. It's absolutely, it's a cost-saving measure. I could not believe that Ed Newmeyer's name was on this, much less that he came back, wrote three and directed it. Because two is just terrible. Like you said, it is designed to keep bugs out. The stars of this film basically are the bugs. The acting is not good enough. And so in that movie, there's like a perimeter, which the logic of the movie doesn't even work. The guy who makes the wall gets possessed by a bug, but the wall stays up. <laughs> what? And so, yeah, to, it's to lure skippable. more people in. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's yeah. We could skip to then we go to Marauder, which has Casper Van Dien returning. And it's a Jesus movie out of what? Yeah, it is strange. Well, yeah. You know what happened? And it makes a little bit sense because of like how they view religion in the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> they mentioned it uh, when the Mormons, the radicalized Mormons yeah. or whatever, <laughs> yeah, go to the planet without, you know, approval or whatever. And then they get slaughtered. So you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it goes to the infringement on First Amendment rights. That's what the third one succeeds in is because it's talking about religion. It's talking about free speech. It's talking about assembly and protest. But it's just the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Uh, There's a bug god in it. And then also, did Ed Newtmeyer fucking discover the movie Equilibrium when he has like (laughs) the one dude having his face ripped off by the other chick? And I was like, oh, this is like the big brother guy from Equilibrium. Did you catch that? Yes, yes. 
too bad it didn't have all the cool gun action from the equilibrium. Gun katas. Yeah. Yeah. Gun foo. Yeah, exactly right. Um, which honestly, what who wins in a fight? John Wick or Christian Bale from Equilibrium, whose character's name I can't remember. Oh, John Wick still. Yeah. He could take way more punishment and still keep going. He kick his ass even with that sledgehammer. A lot of people I mean, I had to sledge a concrete fountain to death. And man, I was really yeah. hoping that somebody's playing some shitty electro rock music behind it, because I think I would have looked fucking cool. Not only that, John Wick uses horse foo too. Oh shit, I forgot about it. It was like five guys with horses. <laughs> yeah. Uh so did you you don't really comic book. There are a bunch of fucking Starship Troopers comics. They're fine, basically. Like I read a quite a few. There's the Dark Horse adaptation of the movie, which was by Bruce Jones and Mitch Bird. Uh, it's fine. You know, there's Carl is the narrator of it. Warren is Ellis, the artwork at least appealing. It's it's just mid tier nineties fine. It's oh all right. Nineties can be tough though because um you know there's a very round style kind of a bulbous style to the art that in the like 2000s you started to get more sleek kind of artwork and now you're getting really hyper stylized artwork which i really 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 enjoy um you know especially when it comes to the colorization so it's hard because obviously i'm reading a scanned pdf on the internet so some of the colors get muted from that automatically but nothing that i saw in any of the comics i read were like good enough to where i was like oh my god i have to invest in this the one i think that people might like is starship troopers insect touch which was written by warren ellis art by paolo parente and david oh wait no sorry uh warren ellis did the plot paolo parente and gordon reney did the actual scripting and the art was david fabry and it's an origin story for mr rackjack so that's pretty cool okay they break a dude's brain with a coded message and the guy goes crazy talking about how they're landing on a bug uh, mating site. And he just says, screwing <laughs> and eating and screwing and eating. And I'm like, oh, that's all I've ever <laughs> wanted in life. Right. It's a good song. Yeah. <laughs> and eating. <laughs> you see, there you go. You could be a, a music yeah, producer. Little now. Beastie Boys action right there. Don't you let the beat mm, drop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have see I love 90s X-Men artwork. Okay. And I figured if they did, and that's probably just because the generation I grew up in, but if they could make it very gory with like that same type, you know, because you're always interested to see, like, oh, Wolverine gets his arm blown off or whatever. That yeah. would be really cool to be as a comic book with Starship Troopers. That's to get that like gore factor. Exactly. Age of Apocalypse has some great scenes of violence and gore. But it also is incredibly frustrating because it's Age of Apocalypse and the narrative fucking sucks. I tried to recently reread yep. it. And I was like, God, it's so fucking bad. But yeah, Jim Lee's art is obviously iconic. I actually have the first Marvel cover he ever drew, which was on an Alpha Flight comic. Um, and I wow. love that style. He he was the best of the image guys in terms of style, in my opinion. Like, obviously, Spawn's cool and McFarlane's good or whatever. But I always hated Rob Liefeld. Eric Larson's he's a fucking legend. Savage Dragon rips ass. But I always like Jim's art style. And so he's one of the few guys who I followed a lot in DC. But I wish that it had that kind of look to it. Like I said, everything's kind of like weirdly round. Characters look kind of like Guy Gardner from the Green Lantern Corps and stuff. So 
can't say that I really recommend them, but if you're like hungry for more, it's it's less painful than reading the book. <laughs> Two and three killed it for me. I'm not hungry for more. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, the old, I, I forgot to mention this. The only other thing from the book I did like is that one out of every 500 rounds is an actual bullet. So that's why people take it seriously. You know, in the movie, they do like the live fire. I suppose it's kind of awkward to try and describe one out of every 500 being able to kill people. But I, I really like that one thing. Everything else was kind of the same. And now we're at the very end. I have to ask you about this shit. Do you believe in the Freddy got fingered crocodile Dundee excuse of this film? And if what? you need an explanation, I will help you. <laughs> Explain, please. Okay. So Casper Van Dien was very insistent that people bought tickets to see the movie Bean in order to see this film because it was R-rated, which is the same excuse that Tom Green gave for Freddy Got Fingered in that I think it's Crocodile Dundee Goes to Hollywood uh, came out the same time <laughs> and did uncharacteristically well, which again, people believe to be a scheme where kids were buying the ticket to sneak into the movie. I would believe that because I would have done that. <laughs> yeah. I, it doesn't offend my sensibilities. It doesn't come across no. as that big of a cop out, especially when there is a fan base enough to merit two live action sequels, two cartoon sequels, comics, toys, Funko Pops. I mean, yeah, like there's some credence to that, I think. Absolutely. I mean, I have done that before, so I'm not surprised. And, you know, if I told my mom I was going to go see this when I was little, she'd be like, are you crazy? Like, no. <laughs> that, that, every, all of my friends' parents actually cared about the media they consumed. My dad took me to see this. So, yeah, well, see, my my mother cared. My dad was like, hey, your mom's out of town. There's a new movie. Want to see Species? And I was like, yeah, oh, okay. dude. Whoa. My dad, too. <laughs> I'm still terrified of pregnant woman's bellies because of Species, too, man. <laughs> so stay tuned for next week when we do the entire fucking species franchise no joke happy coincidence that came up oh i'm i'm tuning in for those because damn yeah dude i love those movies <laughs> awkward boners clap 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 clap. but honestly that's a series where they're i don't want to get into it but one and two are good three's a bit more out there but it's still entertaining enough i don't know yeah I, i'm i'm more on board with that series Exactly. The drop off. Even without the the boobs. I'm saying like the the CGI still works a little bit better. There's still more interesting stuff. So, well, yeah, I think that the whole idea of feminine wiles and stuff is interesting. I I like seeing like that's one of the things that frustrates me about this movie is it's progressive to an extent, you know, like you still end up with a damsel in distress. And that's what frustrates me. If you want Carmen to be great, Carmen swoops in and saves the day. She doesn't do it at the Mormon church. She does it at the end. You know, fuck the tabernacle save them at the end you know Uh, but she's just she needs him she's dependent on him she's the object of his want and desire because he has a sexual interest in her not because she has validity as a person so that like frustrates me um yeah this is a more of a movie that it should have had the everyone's focus on rico all the way up till they get to the fighting and then he dies and does takes over oh that'd be so good that should be this movie. That would be just so like fucking Alien good. with you know Ripley, the first one where it's oh like, yeah with Dallas. She's not quite the main yeah. character, and then it's like oh now you're the bad bitch, and you're yeah. like okay, I'm down. <laughs> That's actually a perfect you know way of going about it, you know. And when we get, get into species, the fact that it's like the female dominion over man, it's an interesting blend too of seduction and oppression and and, and violence. Um, so stay tuned for next week, Chad. 
Uh, do you have any parting words for these goons for this week uh, as we go into the great beyond in the rest of 2001, A Space Augusty? I just say keep listening and for Jake and all the other co-hosts to keep it up. Now, what would we have to do to entice you to come back for another episode? How, how many people need to hashtag glorious return of the Chad God? <laughs> one person. Okay. You've heard it here, <laughs> folks. If we get one person to tweet. And no creating fake accounts, Jake. One person. <laughs> I won't. I have too many. I've actually locked out because I have accounts for like the kids and stuff. But if you Instagram, Facebook, tweet the glorious return of the Chad God. Chad will come back for an episode and that will be delightful because <laughs> it's so fucking good to talk to you and hang out with you, my friend. Uh, thank you for letting me steal your HBO Max. Thank you for being a friend. You know, like it, when you become an adult, it's very hard. So often friends just disappear when they're not in your immediate line of sight. But I'm so lucky to have guys like you and Jim where we're just friends. It's just spoken for. If we go five weeks without talking, oh, well, because then we just start talking again. Um, and that's such an, like a healthy thing to have. And so I really appreciate you, buddy. I appreciate you and your speech gave me a stronger boner than the shower scene. So Bona town. So for Chad, <laughs> my name is Jake saying goodbye and good die. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have a guitar amp transmogrify into a sexy dude and then have him sit on your face while you flex your upper lip trying to grow a manly mustache? Well that is my experience listening to the band Night Cobra. Oh, this is Cyber Slash 1000 if you could not tell. Anyway, this hidden track is great. It is off their EP in praise of the shadow. Just to be smarmy, we are not doing the title track. Instead, we are doing the song Escape from Earth which fits with the theme of this month in a roundabout way. Enjoy the song support the band, and lastly, have a dude sit on your face. 